You know, when we were earlier praying for these names, I was thinking of, it's, it's, I was thinking of um, when God led Ezekiel into the valley of dry bones, and he says, what do you see? And he says, dry bones. And I think you look at those papers that's got names on them, but those names, God knows them. Amen. So when we're praying, we're not praying, oh, we're supposed to pray, let's pray. No, we're praying because when we cry out to God, God hears our prayer. When we intercede, God hears our prayer. And those names, He died for them. Amen. So when you speak life, speak life over them. Open their eyes, Lord. Let them see you in your fullness and in your power. Amen. So I want to encourage you to please pray for these people. Um, as we've, uh, some of us have invited, if you haven't invited, invite them uh, next Sunday. You know, it's a great opportunity for us to, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a vehicle for them to, uh, for us to invite them to church for Christmas. Yes, we have candy floors, bouncy castle, free food and all that. That's just to, just to bless them in the natural. But what we want to see is that they're blessed spiritually. Amen. There are a lot of people that are lost and uh, they're caught up in the busyness and they're caught up in this rat race of, you know, making more money to make this and they, that, but they've completely lost their soul. So it's an opportunity for us to actually uh, bring them to God so that they can find Christ. Amen. That's the best gift we can give God is our life. Complete surrender. Amen. So I want to encourage you um, also, please be here a bit early. You know, if you come at uh, 10.15, come at 9.30. You know, if you come at 9.30, be here at 9 o'clock. If you come here at 9 o'clock, be here at 8.30. Why? Because we will have a lot of people from a community coming uh, and they are here early and you are a host. Amen. You're a host. You're not a guest. You're a host. And so come and meet them. And we are being very strategic in how we do outreach as well. We're very strategic with this boys mentoring. We meet the, the children, the family members every week on Tuesday. Pastor Don and Joseph spend a lot of time with them every week. So they're coming. With dance school, we meet these families every week. And they're going to be here. The dance, they're going to come and dance here. We don't want just them to dance, show off their dance. No, what we want is that we use that school as a vehicle to bring them to Christ. Amen. So be here early. So our, our outreach is not like random outreach. It's very strategic. We got same families. We meet them every week. They talk about their marriages. They talk about their families. They talk about struggles. Praise God. We have an opportunity to minister to them. Amen. It's a privilege. Amen. So please be here early to, to, to talk to them. We're not, invite your friends, but also they're coming, so be prepared. Come prayerful, come and bless them, encourage them, and let's see what the Lord does. Because in the end, God is the one that has to move upon these people. We can do all the shows we want, but if the Holy Spirit is not moving, then it's pointless. So let's pray that God will move on these people. Amen. Hallelujah. So we're culminating or finishing the series, I Speak Jesus. This is the fifth and the last series. Uh, and the, the, the scripture, the overarching theme of the scripture is Colossians 4, verse 2 to 6. 
And it goes like this. It says, devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I'm here in chains. Paul was in prison while he was writing this. And the fascinating thing is when you're writing a letter from a prison, often you want to try to get out of prison. You know, you're, you're trying, appealing something, but Paul is appealing for something. Paul is saying, while I'm in chains, while I'm bound in this prison, pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. And what a great cry. What a great cry. What a divine cry. Pray for me that I may proclaim this message as clearly as I should. So we've been talking for the last four weeks on the importance of how we need to devote our lives to prayer and how we are to be thankful for who God is and what He's done and never lose the joy of our salvation. Amen. The minute we lose the joy of our salvation, we start looking at things and people and forget of what Christ has done for you and I. So don't lose the joy of your salvation. And then pray, pray for people. Pray for divine opportunities. Pray that God will give you divine opportunities. Pray that God will open doors for you. You know what? God opens doors if you're looking. If you're not looking, you won't even think that is a door. Pray that God will give you doors. Paul Peter writes in 1 Peter, he says, Be vigilant and sober. Be alert and be ready-minded. Because, of course, the devil is attacking, but also it's an opportunity for us to bring the joy of God upon these people. Amen. It's not the work of an evangelist. It's a work of a believer to be a witness to God. Don't put it in a box called evangelism. No, you and I are a witness to God. And people that you work with what is their testimony about you? So let's pray and, um, and, and look for opportunities to share about Jesus Christ. And we are focusing on verse 5 and 6 as we culminate this series. Live wisely among those who are not believers. And make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. That's what we're going to talk on. And uh, those two verses, we're going to dwell on that. So Father, we thank you as we break open your word, your eternal word that brings eternal life. We pray that you speak to us as we open our ears, the spiritual ears to hear what you're saying to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So live wisely among those who are not believers and make most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Isn't that wonderful? 
Paul is not only asking for prayer, now he goes, look, I want to focus on your conduct. So when he's writing to the church at, uh, uh, to the Colossians church, he is saying, hey, 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 wait a minute. You have met Jesus. You know Jesus. Now he's combating uh, in chapter 2 and verse chapter 3, he's combating this whole philosophy of man and philosophy of the world that is encroaching and competing with the word of God. And he's talking to them and he's saying to the believers, be careful that you don't operate with the philosophy of man. Watch out church. Be alert that you don't become just like the world. You've known Christ. Don't lose that hope. Don't lose that salvation. And then he goes on to talk in chapter 3. He goes on to say, take off your old nature. Put on the new nature of Christ. Amen. And then he talks about himself being in prison and saying, pray for me. But then he starts to say, hey, I want to focus on your conduct, your behavior. Amen. So I've titled it this morning. It says, I speak Jesus with my life and my behavior. I speak Jesus with my life and my behavior. There's no point in me sitting here, jumping up and down and shouting and screaming in these four walls, but out there my life and my behavior is miserable. Amen. Because we only live one life and it has to be consistent. Whether you're in the church or you're outside the church. And do you know the reality is you spend most of your life outside the church. And so our life, this is what I'm saying, I speak Jesus with my life and my behavior. It's quite a challenging statement. And I began to ponder on this. Am I living my life? And am I is my life really speaking Jesus? And is my behavior really speaking Jesus? Not just when you see me in the church. Come see me in the office. Come see me in my home. Is my life speaking Jesus? Is my life speaking Jesus? And my behavior speaking, Jesus, when you come to my house at 6.30 in the evening. It's a challenge. So how we live our lives matter. Amen. How we live our lives matter to God. And it matters to me how I live my life. But also how I live my life matters to you. And how you live your life matters to me. Why? Because we are a spiritual family. Amen. That's why when pastors, when some pastors that fall, often you see, when fall in sin, often you see a big fallout in people because they, to an extent, observe and watch how the pastor lives his life. So it's important how I live my life, but it's also important how you live your life because the life you live outside, it's a testimony that you are living and that people talk about you. You know what would be sad, Talaga? That you worked in one company for 15 years and they did not know that you are a believer. That would be sad. I'm glad you agree with me. So how you live matters. No, not much, in, not, not in what you know. It's not about what you know, but how do you apply what you know in your life? That's what matters. I think the Lord is knocking on the wall. He's supposed to knock on the door. That way, God. 
Yeah. But how you live, it's, it's not just the knowledge. You know what? We all have a lot of knowledge about God. But, you know, knowledge doesn't make us mature in Christ. Knowledge doesn't make us mature in Christ. What makes us mature in Christ is our, a life that is surrendered to the will of God. If knowledge alone makes us mature in Christ, then the devil is far more mature than you and I. Amen. Because he knows far more scriptures than you know and I know. I mean, think about the devil. How, how devilish is he to go to Jesus and tempt Jesus with Jesus' word? Right? Hey, Jesus, if you really call yourself a man of God or son of God, turn these stones into bread. You really have to be a devil to be that devilish. To go tempt God with his own word. He's very clever. Right? So we got to be careful because of course God, Jesus fought the devil with the word. So what I'm trying to say is we don't hunger and thirst after knowledge. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. Amen. What is righteousness? Right living with God. <laughs> I don't care how many scriptures you recite. Because the devil can recite more scriptures than you and I can recite. I grew up in a church where they stood up. I was a lousy kid in a Sunday school. Bad kid. Because I could not recite anything. And these kids get up and they recite the whole four chapters from Philippians and the whole. I'm like, how do they do that? And they get a lolly and they get praise. They get a certificate and their knowledge puffs up. And sadly, some of them don't walk with God anymore today. So what I'm trying to say, be very careful. Don't hunger and thirst after knowledge. Hunger and thirst after the revelation of God's word. Amen. Because what you, my life, I speak Jesus with my life and my behavior. Amen. So Revelations 12, 11 says, I've been saying this because it's important for us to remind this. And they overcame him. Who is him? The accuser of the brethren. They overcame the devil, not by quoting scriptures, not by pretending to be holy, not by pretending to be a good Christian. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of your lifestyle. You can overcome the devil, not by the number of attendants you come to church. You overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. So the question I have is, what is your testimony like in the church and outside the church? What will people say when they talk about Peter? Do they trust me or do they not trust me? It's important because if you don't trust me, I have lost the privilege to minister the word of God to you. Think about that. If I'm a nasty, cruel, mean, horrible, judgmental, unforgiving, harsh Man, and then you come and preach the word of God. Who wants to listen to me preach? What happened? I have lost my privilege to minister to you. 
to me to speak the word of God, it's a privilege and an honor. So it's the same thing. There is no point in you giving them an invite when your life doesn't match Jesus Christ. When your life doesn't, the first thing that comes out of your mouth is either, is a, either speaking condescendingly about somebody, pulling someone down, and then you want, oh, hallelujah, God loves you. How can God, you say God loves me when you, all you've done for half an hour is rip someone apart? Hello? So, you overcome the devil by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Amen. So, live wisely among those who are not believers. It's important how we live our lives amongst non-believers and make most every opportunity. So, my first point really is, is walk in wisdom. Thank you, Shannon. All right, walk in wisdom. So, I want to put this... Um, uh, before we go to the scripture, I want to give you a bit of a background here. See, wisdom is not the same thing as knowledge. Wisdom is not acquiring wealth. Today, if there is such a thing, you know, in the world, there is, there's a thing called successful. You know, we determine how is an individual successful. An individual is successful that when you have a world, a wealth that you acquired and you reach a certain status, a, st a certain position according to the worldly standard, you are, you know, always a wise man because he's made good money or he's successful. But you see, if we can translate it, there is no such a thing as spiritual successfulness. No. But if we can, for the sake of it, if we can say, are we spiritually successful? Just say it, you know, for the sake of it. If we say we are spiritually successful, see, our successful doesn't come from wealth and riches and fame. We, you can very easily be acquainted with facts, truths, principles, but if we don't apply this data in our life, we are actually the opposite of wise. Wisdom is not about how much you have acquired in your life. Godly wisdom is how you live your life. Amen. Because all these things one day will go. I was watching um, just mega structures and um, how they're building this beautiful architecture architectural uh, buildings in, in, in the Middle East, particularly in Dubai, in Saudi Arabia, in Kuwait, and all this, a lot of wealth. They build all these buildings. And I was thinking to me, one day, all this will go one day. It will all go. You can't marvel at buildings and go, wow, he's done a great job. No, 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 building is a building. Don't spend your time, I was thinking about this, don't spend your time building buildings. You know, we are called to build people. Amen. So wisdom, especially spiritual wisdom, is not just about knowing what's good for you, but applying that knowledge and truth into your, daily, into your everyday life. This is when we know that we are truly wise because we are choosing to live 
according to the scriptures. Wisdom is choosing to live according to the scriptures. Amen. And so this morning I thought, what scripture can I use? And I, I started looking at Genesis chapter 13 because Genesis chapter 13 is about Lot and Abraham. Abram, Lot and Abraham, and now Abraham is the uncle and Lot is a nephew. And in chapter 12, just to give you a bit of background of this, because chapter 12 is God's word comes to Abraham and he says, look, leave your country. Okay, pack your bags and get out because I'm going to make you great. All right, I'll give you lots of children, I'll give you a lot of wealth, but pack your bags and go. So Abraham packs his bags and with Sarah, or Sarai, Abram and Sarai, along with, the, along with his nephew Lot. And they go on a journey, and of course they come in and, uh, to this uh, place where uh, Abraham looks at, uh, enters into this king's palace, and uh, Sarah was very beautiful, and he lies to the, to the king and says, hey, she's my sister. All right, so this is chapter 12. So Lot and Abraham and Sarah are on a journey. Come to chapter 13. That's where we're going to anchor today. Chapter 13 is now Lot and Abraham got a lot of wealth. They've got a lot of wealth. So much wealth that the land couldn't contain to keep their herds and the sheep and the goats and the uh, 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 cows and all that stuff. They couldn't contain. So there's an argument that takes place, be, takes place between Lot's herdsmen and, and Abraham's herdsmen. So now Abraham has to make some choices. And keeping it in the context of, I speak Jesus through my life and my behavior, Abraham lives, does some amazing things here. But let's pick it up from uh, verse 5. Lot, who was traveling with Abram, had also become very wealthy with flock and of sheep and goat, herds of cattle and many tents. But the land couldn't support both Abraham and Lot with all their flock and herds living so close together. So disputes broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. At that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land. Now, it's quite interesting here. So both the uncle and the nephew are having arguments. How many of you have had arguments? We've all had arguments. Come on. Christians? Yes, we all have arguments. See, <laughs> you think poverty brings fights. No, wealth can bring fights. That's why lawyers are making a lot of money. Amen. Right? So, you think that only lack of money brings problems? <laughs> money brings problems too. You're tested. Whether you are poor or you're rich or you're in the middle, doesn't matter. There's problems. Amen. Problems are common to a man that has nothing or to a man or a woman who has everything. I know people who have nothing who are losing sleep. I know people who have everything yet losing sleep. Trust me. I meet people who have a lot of money and they don't know what to do with it and they're losing their own soul because it's taking them away from their family. 
They're making so much money, but they're losing sleep. So problems are everywhere. So Abraham and Lot have problems. So in this, there is a bracket there. I love the little bracket there. And at that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land. Why did he put it there? Why did God record it in brackets? I ponder on that. Why did God record? Yes, we understand problems. Problems are common to all of us. Nothing new. Uncle and nephew are having problems. Okay, that's okay. They got to talk this out. But why in the brackets did he say at the time, Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land? So I started to dwell. If you know who the Canaanites and the Perizzites, they're worldly people. And um, they, they've, they're living, they're all living close by and there's a bit of struggle there. And they, the land can't accommodate. But the more I was praying, this is what I thought. This is not theologically correct. But I want to, I felt in my heart while I was praying, I said, this is very interesting. Abraham was aware of who's watching them. Abraham was aware that there are people watching who are not Christians, watching how Christians solve problems. It's not theological. You don't find that in commentaries, but I'm just saying that. I think Abraham knew that it is important how you live your life. Because how you live amongst your community speaks a lot about you. Because the Canaanites and the Perizzites, they were sinners. They got a lot of problems. But now it's an opportunity for Abraham to display godly character. Amen. Our testimony is very important. It's not what you say. It's how you live your life speaks. Is your life consistently speaking, glorifying the name of your heavenly father? Is my life speaking that? So Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land. That's the New Living Translation. But even in King James, it doesn't give you much. Or the King James Version doesn't give you much. You look to the com commentaries, it doesn't give you much. Why they really, why it was recorded in that verse there. But I think because Abraham knew, ooh, they're watching me. They're watching me. They're watching you. So many people focus on, you know, a lot of, that's why, you know, a lot of us, we focus on the administrative side of the church. And when we focus on the administrative side of the church, it's quite mundane. It's quite boring. You know, there's always issues. There's always dramas. There is always drama. Church is a family. We should have more dramas than anyone else. Come on. For some reason, we think church is so glorified. We're all like, you know, cotton posh. You know, you know the tissues, you know, it's like Christians, we're all angel gliding, you know. Ah, hallelujah, hello sister, what a beautiful day. Oh, how wonderful. You know, somehow we, in our mind, we have this fantasy and fairy tale stories of Christian walk. You and I are brothers and sisters in the Lord. Church is a place, it is broken because you are here. 
turn to your neighbor and say, church is a broken place because you're here. Amen. It's, no. <laughs> Tony reckons no. See, it is a broken place because we're all broken people. We're all broken people. So how can the community come to Christ when we are bickering all the time? Come on. How can the community look at Jesus when you're bickering all the time? Let alone you're losing the blessings of God. The more you bicker, the more you fight, the, lo the more you will be losing your blessings from God. How can the community go, I want to go to these churches, not the building, it's you and I. I want to go hang out with these people because they're so loving. No, they will probably look at you and go, there is nothing different between you and me, brother. You swear, I swear. You fight, I fight. You whinge, I whinge. You just try to be a bit more holy. I might as well say I'm a sinner and do it freely. Today I'm speaking to us as a standing outside and looking at the church. What would attract community to come to church? What is the different lifestyle that we're living outside them? I want to say this. We all go through problems. We all have sickness. There's always a struggle. But how we respond in that matters. Church, you look into church. If you stand outside the church and look inside the church, the church looks hopeless just like the world looks hopeless. But the church should look hopeful. Amen. All right. So people focus on the administrative side and lose the power of the local church. I saw, I've said that a few months ago that we have lost focus on the power of the local church. We've lost the power of the local church. I don't care if the guy, my neighbor, is cheating on his wife. But if you cheat on your wife, I'll be the first one knocking on the door. Why? Not because I got some juicy gossip to talk about. Not that I can poke my fingers in your eyes. But I, we are accountable. We are accountable. I can't let you sin because we are accountable. Amen. We are a spiritual family. So we fight a lot, but we shouldn't fight a lot. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 32 says this. Better a patient person than a warrior. One with self-control than one who takes a city. Isn't that wonderful? Better is better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes the city. Genghis Khan conquered a lot of nations. But he was a wicked man. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit. For anger resides in the lap of. You can help me. Fools. All right. Anger. Do, do not be quickly provoked in your spirit. I mean, imagine if um, Dan comes to me and goes, Peter, Talaga is gossiping about you. He said this, this, this about you. Oh, oh, oh how dare he say that? 
you know i'm not that how dare he says you know you justify 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 oh if he says he's actually worse than me attack him that's what we do come on there are two types of attack is either, either a verbal attack or you could stand quiet it's like i'm really constipated now and then i go home i thought i'm being i'm playing this but listen to me carefully just because i'm quiet doesn't mean it's godliness because you know what i'm going home i'm mulling over what dan was talking about me what talaga said about me and then i go home <clears throat> open my laptop and i do my you know typing warrior you type on emails you fight on emails right you fight on emails back and forth email fighting that's not good either just because you're yelling or just because you're quiet doesn't make it's godliness what is godliness you got to say truth in love don't avoid a problem that's not godliness avoiding problems is not godliness or attacking the problems and going you 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 that's not godliness either or or kind of walking and you look at the person and all of a sudden your phone rings hello or you see what i'm trying to say because our lives matter don't avoid a problem don't attack a problem speak it in love and i love it what he says here because in uh, sorry in second timothy chapter 2 verse 23 don't have anything to do with foolishness or stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels as the lord's servants must do not be quarrelsome but must but but must be kind to everyone able to teach not resentful proverbs says proverbs 13:10 says where there is strife there is pride <laughs> are you in strife if you're in strife there is pride amen but wisdom is found in those who take advice amen so so it's important that we don't because our life's matter wisdom walking in wisdom is take advice from the word of god don't fight don't be full of pride don't get into foolish arguments who cares about what people think about you don't you don't have to prove yourself to them let the lord vindicate let the lord deal with it that will show a testimony amen i don't want to sit here and say you're wrong i'm right no so number 2 let your speech be gracious and attractive so number 1 is be wise or walk in wisdom number 2 let your speech be gracious and attractive so abraham comes with a plan in verse 8 he says finally abram said to lot let's not allow the conflict to come between us or our herdsmen isn't that a good one hey let's not fight come on dan let's not fight come on tony let's not fight i know you're perfect but let's not fight after all we are cousin bros we are relatives the whole countryside is open to you 
take your choice of any section of the land you want and we will we will separate if you want the land to the left then i will take the land to the right if you prefer the land to the right then i will go to the left what he was doing you see if in the hebrew culture the oldest has the right to claim first the oldest person has the right to claim first so abraham had the first right to claim which land he wanted to choose but you see it's not about right and wrong it's about life and death if it was right and wrong we are all we are all wrong amen you're wrong i'm wrong are you with me it's not about right and wrong it's about life and death that's what jesus jesus come to give what life not right and wrong it's about life and death that's why when your children speak when your children uh, 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 misbehave it's right and wrong if it is wrong then they have to go to hell what are you trying to instill not right and wrong you're instilling life and death you're saying let's speak life what you did was wrong but i want to speak life into you amen and it's not about good and bad but it's about godliness and evil so abram is saying i i will give up my choice first right to choose but lot even though you're younger you choose you choose what you want why because canaanites are watching us our community is watching how we behave amen if you want to know my driving history call the police they will have a record right if you want to know my medical history <laughs> i'm not looking at people if you want to look at medical history call my doctor she will tell you my, we all have a history right see the greatest story number one his his story and the second greatest story is your story that's the greatest story the second greatest story is your story not your information are you with me so abraham he was gracious and he was attractive in his conversation he basically said let's not fight but if you want to go that way you take that if you want to go this way you go for it and i will choose the next land lord picked what was beautiful what looked beautiful lord picked that what lord didn't realize was the land that he picked was close to sodom this is before sodom and gomorrah was destroyed it was so close to sodom and he was covered with wicked people and sin sin doers and then in chapter 14 lord got in trouble and lord got in trouble so abraham had to go and rescue lot from his trouble what is the story telling me is it's not the knowledge about jesus it's actually really applying it when the pressure comes on you and comes on me I'm not saying I'm perfect neither are you what I am saying God wants us to continue to walk a righteous walk The Bible teaches us that the righteous may fall seven times but the Lord delivers them from all Amen Just because you fell once doesn't mean you're destroyed forever I mean that's what we do in church James fell oh James you naughty man naughty man naughty man where is forgiveness where is grace where is prayer where is restoration 
And even 20 years later, Dan will come to me and goes, Oh, Peter, did you know what James did in 2020? Now we are in 2040. And Dan's 90. <laughs> Why do we talk bad about people? Why? Who gives you the right to talk about what he did 20 years ago? When his sins are wiped as far from the east to the west. That's how far. He has removed our transgressions. And he has restored us. But you are here like a BBC, CNN, Fox News. Red alert, red alert. He committed sin 20 years ago. That's Old Testament. Come on somebody. Let's learn to be quick in forgiving people. Now that, you're glorifying God and you're teaching your people around you how to live a life. A good life. If you're holding grudge and that man outside the church is holding grudge, there is no difference between you and him. No difference. you just deceived that you think you're a Christian. I can show a lot of scriptures, but I won't go there. Am I making sense? Ephesians 4.31 says, get rid of all bitterness. Hallelujah. Father, I pray, teach us to get rid of all our bitterness. Oh God, I pray, help us to vomit it out. Let it come out of us. Let your spirit teach us to get rid of all bitterness. From 2020, from 1980, help us to get rid of that bitterness. 1970, what happened? In 1985, what happened? Help us to get rid of all that bitterness in Jesus' name. That rage, the anger, the harsh words. Where do harsh words come from? Out of bitterness. That's why James is prickly with me. He's prickly because what I did in 1980. You with me? It was 2020, 40 years later, he's still grumpy with me. Who is losing the joy of God? Me or him? This is the only time you can point out to him. He's losing the joy of the Lord. He's losing the Zoe divine life of God because he's held on to bitterness. And then he comes up here and he goes, Good to see you, everybody. <laughs> if you want a coffee... Come into the cafe. So good to see you. Mocking spirit get behind me. Verse 32. Oh, sorry. Let's keep going. Harsh words, slander, and as well as all types of evil behavior. When you are bickering, it's an evil behavior. When I'm fighting with you, it's evil behavior. My wife is good at reminding me that. Please know, I'm, I've got a lot of stuff I'm learning to journey in my life. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm, I'm asking God to minister to me as I speak. Instead, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you and me. Turn to your neighbor and say, God has forgiven you. 
So you need to forgive me. If you're sitting next to no one, talk to Jesus. <laughs> Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer deflects anger. But harsh words make temper flare. Amen. Don't be a fire starter. A gentle answer deflects anger, but a harsh words makes temper flare. Why am I speaking on this today when I'm talking about evangelism? Your life is an evangelism. I speak Jesus every time I choose to be like Jesus. Those that are close to me, they can witness with me that I am learning to be like Jesus. The last point, our faith and trust in God activates his promises. Our faith and our trust. You see, when Abraham, when Abraham said to Lord, look, you, you go take what you want, he wasn't trying to create a business proposal. You know where Abraham was really making the decision from? Do you know what gave him that confidence to step away from his original right according to the Jewish culture? And basically, Lot took the beautiful land that looked like beautiful, but Abraham basically took a bare land, a parched land. Do you know where that confidence came from? Not from a natural circumstances, but by the promise of God in chapter 12. I don't have pages Bible, but chapter 12, he says, he, Jesus, God promised him. Remember the promise? He said, I will make you a great nation. So Abraham was acting not on a business proposal. Are you with me? It's not a business proposal. How much money am I making from you, Chris Jury? Okay, it's a good deal. Shake hands, kiss, hug, bye-bye. No. He made that because he trusts in God. He trusts in God. In the natural, it looked foolish. If I was a Jewish Another nephew of Abraham had said, uncle, you're making a foolish decision here. You're losing a lot of money. You're losing a lot of uh, 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 beautiful land. You're losing all that. But what did Abraham do? He trusted in God. God's promises only activate upon your action. Are you with me? You can sit there and confess them all you want. You read Isaiah 58, but in Isaiah 58, he says, Isaiah says, your fasting is useless because you're bickering. It's about, the whole chapter is about fasting. Are you with me? Am I making, am I communicating this morning? I speak Jesus is not just coming and playing some songs. I speak Jesus is not about getting dressed and being in church on a Sunday morning. I speak Jesus is a 24-7 business. It is a 24-7 business. And it's challenging. I love it. I say so many sorries. You, if you know me. I'm sorry, Pam. I forgot about it. I'm sorry, Dan. I, I, I forgot to do that. I'm sorry I was a bit harsh to you. I'm sorry. Lot of, why? Because I'm not using that as an excuse. But in my fallen nature, I want to seek your forgiveness. In my fallen nature, I want to humble myself and say, Mel, I'm sorry. Do you know sorry is such a beautiful word? 
instead of throwing more scriptures at them to make them feel bad? Just say, I'm sorry. Sometimes I don't even know why I'm saying sorry. You know why I'm, I don't know why I'm saying sorry, but uh, the reason I say sorry is I don't want to fight with you. I don't have time to fight you. Why waste time fighting with you? So sorry, Dan. When Dan comes into my office, I say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. If you know him, <laughs> sorry, Dan. <laughs> after Lot had gone, I love it, Jesus comes, not Jesus. God comes after Lot has gone. After Lot has gone, the Lord said to Abram, he appeared again. Jesus, God, I mean, God appeared. Can we just say Jesus and God are the same, right? Okay. God appeared to him and he said, look, as far as you can, you can see in every direction, north and south, east and west, I am giving all this land as far as you can see to you and your descendants as a permanent possession. And I will give you so many descendants that like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. Go and walk through the land in every direction for I am giving it to you. What a great promise. See, our promises only come to life when you step out of the boat. Our promises, the promises of God will only come into power when you take the step. What the world calls a risk, the Bible teaches us it's faith and trust. Uh, faith and trust. Faith and trust. Lord, it's wobbly, but faith and trust. God, all I see is dryness. Faith and trust. God, I see is barrenness. Faith and trust. God, I see is vengeful people. Faith and trust. God, all I see is minus in my account. Faith and trust. Because why? I trust in you. I've put my faith in you. That's what pleases God. That's what honors God. And that's your testimony. When you put your faith and you trust in him. And you say, I trust you no matter what. Can I have the worship team up please? Abraham trusted God, not circumstances, not intellect, not wealth, not cleverness, not any smart behaviors. Abraham trusted God. Can you close your eyes and say, God, I trust you with all I have. Can you learn to pray that prayer every day? God, I want to trust you. God, I want to put my faith in you. We talk a lot in the office about behavior modification. Behavior modification does not take you to heaven. A heart transplant tra transformation, but the surgical word I was looking for. But heart transformation takes us to heaven. Amen. Because I can behave holy, but my heart is rotten. Psalm chapter 18 verse 8 says, It is better to trust in the Lord than put confidence in a man. Hallelujah. Let us not put our trust in man. Cursed is a man who puts his trust in the arm of his flesh. Don't trust, put your trust in man. Don't put your trust in your own wisdom. It will fail you. But trust in the Lord. Proverbs 3 verse 5 behind the Christmas tree. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. 
But acknowledge him in all our ways and he will direct your path. Proverbs 16, 20. He that handles a matter wisely shall find good. And whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 